So over the last several weeks, um, we've been talking about, uh, about this guest that's coming to be with us and celebrating the, the, the Savior, our Lord, that comes to be with us here in our lives. And, uh, and so now Christ has come. In Christmas, we celebrate the coming of Christ. And, and now hopefully, as I said before, hopefully Christ has began something, or begun, began, begun. One of those two. Hopefully something new has started in your life. Um, and that there's this work of grace happening inside of you where Christ has touched your soul and is filling your heart with, uh, with all the gifts that only Jesus can bring. This morning, uh, we're going to look at uh, this letter of, of Paul uh, to the Ephesians um, because as we have this excitement of God is doing something and Jesus is doing something in my life, there's something new happening. And so we kind of ask this question of, well, well now what? Now what do we do? What happens from here as Jesus starts this new work inside of us? And, uh, and so we look to Ephesians here, what Paul says. Um, I'm going to do something this morning, though, that I don't like to do. I'm going to read Scripture from my phone when I preach. I apologize, but I couldn't find my Bible that I wanted to preach from, so I'm going to actually read off my phone. I, please don't stone me. Put the stones down, everybody. I'm going to read from my phone as I read Scripture this morning. Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 14. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. It's kind of an important line. In him we were chosen, in order that we might be for the praise of his glory. Verse 13, and you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. This is the word of our holy God given to us, even through our cell phones. Amen. So in these, uh, these first 12 verses, um, or these 12 verses of Ephesians, Paul starts off this letter with this, this, this long, this extended praise to God. Um, in the original Greek, these 12 verses were actually one big long sentence. It was just this continual flowing of praise uh, for all that God has done. And, uh, um, in, you know, in our translations, we broke them up into sentences and verses and actually two different sections, but this was all just one continuous praise of, of all that God has done through grace and love into our lives. And Paul begins by, by pointing out that before the world ever existed, that God chose to create humanity. 
God, before the world was even formed, before anything was spoken, that God had already chosen to bring humanity into being to be holy and blameless, just like God is holy and blameless. He chose to bring us into existence just like he is in existence, in his own image, just like him. Now, unfortunately, we've chosen not to remain holy and blameless. We've chosen not to exactly live a perfect life. We've got this power of sin that guides us and directs us sometimes, and we fall to that way rather than God's way of righteousness. But out of love, God determined that he was going to adopt us back into his family, that, that all this is going to be accomplished, that God's, God's choosing of us was not going to be stalled by our choosing to fall away. God chose to go ahead and adopt us back into God's family all of this through Jesus Christ and the grace that we see through Christ who comes for us, God in flesh, God the human that came so that we can be with God the God for all eternity. So in Christ we have redemption. In Christ we have this forgiveness. We have grace upon grace just poured over us. This translation says that it's lavished upon us to restore us back to that image that we were created to be in which, by the way, is the image of Jesus Christ. See, God, when God became a human, he said, this is the way I created you. This is what my love looks like. He showed us. He taught us what love looks like through words and through examples of healing, but then he really showed us by giving his life for us. God came and said, this is what my love looks like. It's sacrificial. It's unconditional. It gives and it gives and it gives. This is what you were created to look like. So God becomes this human and shows us what we were created to be like through God's love and goodness. And in our, so in this restored relationship now that we have with God, God reveals to us this mystery of, of what the plan is. He reveals us this mystery and gives us this little gift of hope that, that God is up to something. There's something happening in this world, and God is behind all of it through Christ. God is doing all of this, that in this dark, fractured world filled with animosity, there's this God that is at work. There's light coming into the darkness. There's healing coming to the fractured. There's love that will triumph and join all of heaven and earth together in the end. But the coolest part of all of this is not just this is what God is doing, the coolest part is this is what God wants us to be a part of, that God is doing these things. God's making these things happen, but he's making them happen through us, God's people, the chosen, loved, adopted people that he has brought in through Christ, through grace, through love and goodness, that God has filled us with all of this, and then he does all his mission through us, his people. Our salvation and our relationship with God is filled with God's love and goodness. And we see that we have this purpose, this purpose to share God's love and goodness with those around us so that collectively we would all shine God's love and goodness back to God. So with this purpose in Christ and this love of Christ covered by grace through Christ, we begin to realize that we were created actually not to just enjoy football games. We were created not to play a bunch of games on our cell phone and social media. We were created not 
for just spending days out in the snow, building snowmen, going sledding. We weren't built for just recreational, having fun, enjoying life purposes. We were built for a bigger purpose. We were created to be a living example of God's love and goodness. That's the reason we were created. We were created to be a living celebration of God's glory. So Paul points out all of this that God has done, and, and then he comes back to this part at the end. It says that when you believed, you were marked in Christ. When you began trusting in Christ for your relationship with God, when you began trusting in Christ for your salvation and your connection that you have with the God that created you, you received this gift of salvation, but you were marked as one of God's people through this Holy Spirit that comes and dwells in you and with you. The Holy Spirit that lives in us and assures us we are chosen, we are loved, we are brought into God's family through Christ. And there's this just never-ending grace pouring over us. And the Spirit guides us to live within that grace and to yearn more and more for that grace that guides us and directs us and says, you are my child and I love you tremendously. And I want nothing more than to be with you forever and ever. There's this seal, this mark that we are given. It's a piece of God living within us, assuring us that we are God's child. And when Christ brings all things together, all of heaven and all of earth brought together, we're assured that we are a part of that glorious kingdom that will take place. And as we go through the years just living this life, we've got this spirit that transforms us into Christ transforms us into that original created image that we're supposed to be. Living, celebrating God for God's glorious love and goodness that he shines upon us. Our entire lives are a declaration of who God is. So it seems in these verses that maybe the key verses to it all are when Paul says, when you believed. That seems for us, that's kind of the key verses. There's all of this that God does for us, all these important things that he does through Christ. And then with the Holy Spirit, there's all these wonderful blessings upon blessings, grace upon grace, just poured and lavished upon us, as it says, and this wonderful thing is happening. But it really means nothing except for these words, when you believed. Not when you were given the knowledge of. Not when somebody told you about Jesus or how you learned about him and you've got this knowledge up in your noggin here, when you believed, when you allowed that knowledge of who God is, how much God loves you and who Christ is and what Christ has done for you, when you allow that to seep down into the core of your being and become something that, that you accept as truth, that you accept as, as meaning as purpose for your life, we see there is a God who actually loves me and chooses me to be his child. This is so much deeper than Jesus loves me, this I know. This is so much deeper than just being able to answer Bible trivia. This is accepting something at the core of your being and allowing it to shape who you are as a person allowing it to dictate how you're going to live your life from this day forward. It's, Lord, I come, I confess. 
I confess my sins, I confess my unholiness, I confess my pride and my arrogance. And bowing here, I find my rest. Surrendering to you, O Lord, I find peace. I find comfort because I have found what I've been created to be. A child of God, chosen, loved, and secure in the arms of God. And if I should give my entire life as a celebration of God, if I should give everything that I am as a human being to the praise and glory of God for his love and goodness, it's still not enough. But it's all I can give, which is good, because that's really all God asks us to give. Our entire selves for the praise of God's love and goodness so that others see and experience God's love and goodness through us, and then they return that love and goodness back to God in their praise and worship. With all that God has done for us through Christ, God only asks that we trust in Christ and allow the Holy Spirit a place within us so that our lives may be a celebration of God's love so that others would experience and that God would know our praise and glory back to him. This is what God does through us through Christ. This is what Paul celebrates in a 200-word sentence, declaring all God's glory and goodness. This is what we believe as God's people. So as Christ does this new thing in our lives, as Christ begins some new work of, of love, some new work of peace or hope, some new work of healing, whatever this new work is that Christ is doing in your life, celebrate that. Praise God for it, but share it with others so others know God's love and goodness that is happening in your life. Maybe they would get a glimpse of what God is doing in their life as well. It's to be celebrated and shared. We are created to be a living testimony to God's glory. Let us as God's people go and do that this new year. Amen. One way that we celebrate our Lord is... a. Uh, one way that we remember and celebrate all that God has done for us is through the Lord's table. Um, in our church, it doesn't matter if, uh, if you are a United Methodist or some other denomination or maybe no denomination whatsoever. Um, it doesn't matter if you are the most perfect Christian in the world or maybe you're not even really sure if you believe. Um, Romans 5 says that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. That while we were still separated from God, while we were still not sure if we believed or didn't even know there was a God, Christ's body was broken for us. And whether we have taken every step of our entire life with Christ or whether we're still hesitant to take that first step, his blood was poured out for us. This meal is a celebration of all that God has done from the beginning of time as well, that by God's grace and love, we were created from the dust of the ground. And out of sin, we have brought separation, but out of greater love, God made a way for us to be reunited. So we celebrate the mighty acts of Jesus Christ that made this possible, the one who has died, the one who has risen, and the one who, is, who will come again. We celebrate him for all he has done to bring us back to God. And we celebrate all of God's acts of grace that have been done or being done and will continue to be done as God's mission is fulfilled throughout this world on into that eternal kingdom. God was faithful 
to Abraham and to Jacob and to David. God was faithful to John the Baptist and the disciples and the apostle Paul. God remained faithful through St. Augustine and Martin Luther and John Wesley. And God is still faithful to us today, God's people, drawing us closer, pulling us deeper into his love and grace. So this table that we gather around is not our table. It's the Lord's table celebrating all that God has done, welcoming all that God calls to this table. So whether you are close to perfection or the furthest thing from it, Christ took a piece of bread. He gave thanks to God, and he broke that bread, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Eat this and remember me and all I have done and all that God has done for your salvation for your eternal life with God and your blessing here and now. And then Jesus took a cup and he held it up and he gave thanks to God and he said, this is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins so that you can be with God. You can have that relationship everlasting with God forevermore. This is what Christ has done for us. This deserves our celebration. And for all that God has done, we celebrate by coming and receiving this body and blood of Christ so that we may be the atoned body of Christ for the world. Please join me in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for all you've done by creating us, loving us, redeeming us, and blessing us. Send your Holy Spirit upon us gathered here in person and online. Bless this bread and this cup. Make them for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ and one with each other in ministry to this community and all the world until Christ comes in final victory. Holy God, all honor and glory is yours now and forevermore. Amen. So now I invite you to take the bread and the cup. Jesus says, This is my body and blood given for you. Eat and drink in remembrance of me.